Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to a beautiful podcast. I'm your host, Spring Developer Advocate Josh Long, and this show is all about the real heroes behind Spring and its ecosystem. Beautiful podcast. How are you this fine? Well, it's actually my morning, uh, although I, sp- I suspect it's the dead of night for uh, many of you in the United States, and it's uh, late, late, late uh, afternoon or evening for lots of you in Asia. And that's that's the point. I'm not in the United States, whereas I where I've been for the better part of the last oh like eternity, right? It's been last last two and a half years, last uh, three almost years. Um, I'm in London, and I, I nobody is more surprised than I to be able to say that. Uh, I thought I would never escape the country again. Um, that pesky pandemic really stifled a lot of my travel plans, just as it did for so many of us all around the world. So imagine my joy to finally actually be able to set foot in terra firma, United Kingdom. Oh, what a privilege. What a what a privilege. I, I'm just so grateful uh, to be here. It's the first trip abroad uh, since the pandemic, since March of 2020. Um, it's, <laughs> I mean, it, as I record this, it's May 12th. Thursday, May twelfth, uh, in twenty twenty two. So yeah, I mean, what is that? A year and two months. That's right, right? Yeah, I could be wrong. No, two years and two months. That's yeah. There you go. Ha, two years, two months. So it's been a long time. Not three years, but uh, getting getting close to way too darn long, right? Um, I'm not even sure if I was abroad that month. I might have been January. I mean, I'm not even sure. It was just a very usually the beginning of the year is pretty slow for me, right? I don't do a lot in January. Uh, there's the, you know, there's the outliers, there's things like J focus, which I didn't attend that year and, uh, you know, whatever, but, um, I try like, uh, I, I kind of on ramp into the schedule. Right. So by the time, uh, I do a, a few shows in the winter, but usually they're end of the year, you know, not, not beginning of the week, beginning of the year, uh, because Europe gets cold as y'all know, uh, around the winter. And I'm just, I, you know, if I can be home in a jacuzzi in, in the California weather, even in San Francisco's chilly weather, uh, you know, that's not, it's not a bad idea. Uh, and I still, I still hit most of the major shows in the winter, but I tend not to do it as much as I, uh, as I do for, for example, in the spring or the summer for obvious reasons. And, um, and, uh, usually my, my, uh, my, the schedule is such that a lot of the shows in Europe happen either in the very beginning of the year or the very end of the year. So I hit a few of those. Um, and then what happens? And then you get springtime. There's a few shows, and I tend to visit people in the United States, customers, that kind of thing. Just shows here, uh, and then it's summertime, and Europe is out on on holiday, right, on vacation for a few months. So I don't typically go to Europe in the summer, uh, except I mean I do. It's just not nearly so frequently as I do in the winter or um, or the fall. And then what else? What else happens? Um, then I guess it's back to the fall, and there's a bunch of shows then, and like I said, the winter as well. So I I, I get around, right? Um, I just say used to, but this for for whatever reason, I'm not sure when I traveled abroad last. I think it would probably would have been the early months of 2020, uh, but certainly the last shows I did, any shows at all, the last one, uh, the last conferences, customer meetings, whatever, would have been at no later than uh, the first week of March 2020. So imagine, I just imagine my uh, overwhelming joy, enthusiasm, and uh, and uh, elation at being here in London. I'm actually staring out from my hotel right now. Uh, uh, you know, in London, it's just such a beautiful city. I mean, it it really is gorgeous. Not from the top, mind you. It doesn't look like all that much from the top. But once you're in it, walking about, strolling about these cobblestone streets, uh, it's just it's achingly gorgeous. I'm actually in the Chinatown area. I'm staying at the um at a hotel here, uh, and my hotel is futuristic. 
and beautiful and modern, but then you're in, you know, you're right next to the Chinatown gate and all that. And so you're, you know, this is just one of the things I love about London is such a lively cosmopolitan city. Uh, and, you know, you can walk around at midnight and Chinatown is just, it's popping, man. There's people everywhere, you know, just uh, great food, great nightlife there. Uh, not Well, not in Chinatown, but great food there and then nightlife nearby, you know. And, uh, and you know, if you go to San Francisco, in, in San Francisco, we have the densest Chinatown per capita uh, in, the, uh, in the Americas, right, in, in the United States and the Americas. So um, it's not a part, I mean, we, you know, San Francisco's population as a whole is, uh, what is it, 40% Asian, 20% Chinese. So you'd think there'd be a very lively Chinatown, but no, it, it buttons up real good, uh, you know, around, around eight o'clock, right? Because it is, a lot of people live there. So there's not much of a, uh, a scene there. You can't like walk around and go to different restaurants and whatever, like you could in actual Asia, like in actual China. Um, so I love this. I love this Chinatown. I love, I love that there's this beautiful little escape, this oasis of Chinatown in the middle of London. And I'm not far from Trafalgar Square, which is, you know, you're, it's a must see stop on any visitors uh, itinerary uh, coming to the UK, you know, along with the, you know, the beef eaters in Buckingham Palace and Tower of London and, you know, the list goes on, right? So the the fact that all that is just sort of next to each other, you can actually just get lost by accident and walk a, a block or two in the wrong direction and stumble upon, chance upon these things. Oh, it's beautiful. And I, I regret that I didn't gush. <laughs> um about the stuff in, in in when i first you know when i used to travel here i i should have uh it's not that i didn't appreciate it you know if i'm honest i've been here i've been to london you know like a million times right like way 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 too many times or not too many but way way too many times to count you know and i i just you know, at some point you get kind of into that mindset where you're like I, i'm gonna parachute in i'll go to this conference and I'll get out because I have to go to, the, I have to get on to get on the plane and get on the train and go to the next place, wherever the, the heck that is, you know? And, um, I, you know, I, I love doing that. I love being able to connect with people. And if you've already been to London a million times and you're not in it for the, for the travel and all that, but you know, I don't have a, I'm not particularly pressed in this trip. I don't have a large, uh, itinerary and I, I think I'm doing four conferences and then I'm going home. Right. Um, or maybe it's five, but it's whatever. It's not that many visits um and it'll take me like a month and a half you know 40 days 45 days whatever to get it all done so that's an inks you know it's a very leisurely pace uh uh i could have done you know 10 different shows or uh 15 different shows in that period before um you know in 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 as many countries um so you know it's a weird pace and it's just it really is i i just want to say it for the record I have missed this place. It's beautiful. And I'm, it's so much more breathtaking, uh, two and a half years, you know, away from it. Um, I don't remember, I think the last time I was in in the UK would have been middle of, uh, 2019. Right. So that's, you know, to, that was certainly, that is certainly close to three years now. So to be here for the first time in three odd, uh, almost three odd years, you know, it's just, wow. You know, what a, what a privilege. I'm so, so grateful to be here. Uh, I have missed all my friends. I have missed, I you know I'm 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 here for the Devox UK show one of my all time double dutch favorite shows ever, um, and I'm just great grateful. I mean I I've seen so many great friends, so many great people, and also I missed the accents. My goodness, first of all I've 
I don't know if you all know this, but I speak French, not particularly well, but I do speak French. And, um, and so, you know, first things first, I bumped into all these people that, and you know, these are all people I've known for a long time and they're in the ecosystem. They're in the community. Um, uh, you know, Julian Dubois, Sebastian Blanc, uh, uh, you know, these wonderful people, uh, from just next door, right. Or, or, you know, neighboring France. Um, so that's the first thing, which is I've gotten to use my French, uh, uh, considerably, uh, a considerably, uh, large amount considered, you know, given that I've, I've just been stuck in San Francisco where to our endless and constant chagrin, we don't have all that many, uh, French speakers, sadly. Um, and that's the first thing. And the second thing is I hear these wonderful like English accents and, you know, I, I, again, I used to, I, I was so not faded, but I was so accustomed uh, to them before, you know, three odd plus years ago, I, I'd been here so many times and nothing really surprised me, but it just, my ears tickled. I, I heard sounds that I haven't heard in years. Uh, one of which was a, a Scouse accent, right. Uh, or a Geordie uh, accent, right. These are, Accents that you you know you, like a Scouse accent is a is Scottish Irish, right? It's a mix, and you know, <laughs> yeah. If there are a few French people in San Francisco, I assure you there are fewer people that have a Scouse accent there uh, than that, right? It's just not something you hear all that often in uh, in San Francisco. So just really really great, man. I uh, you know I'm just so happy to be here. What a what a privilege. Um, and. I, I was able to go to DevOps UK. I did my first in-person presentation abroad since the virus, right? This is my first trip abroad, my first presentation abroad. I was at DevOps UK. I talked about uh, Spring.next and, um, oh, that was so much fun. So much fun. I remember standing on that big, I, I was in the main stage, you know, the big one. Uh, I, I remember standing on that main stage before and I always have fun at DevOps UK. It's such a lively crowd, such an amazing uh, event with so, so many amazing uh uh, uh, vendors and sponsors and, and community folks and uh, just uh, just you know one of the best shows. I I've been on the um uh on the CFP. I've been on the uh, the uh, what is it called? Um, I don't I don't remember what it's called. But the, the, the people who help select talks. I've I've done that. I volunteered. It's one of the few shows for which I volunteered. People usually ask me, do you want to do to be on our uh, to work to help us? Uh, you know, build up the um. The, the show and so i you know every now and then i'll lend my lend my um time and and uh, whatever my name is worth to a given conference to support it and to uh see if i can't help uh you know help sift through the countless uh, talks on on spring and see which are more likely to be good and whatever um but this show i i've always just loved it and i love uh mark hazel he runs the show um and uh you know stefan jansen of course the uh DevOps you know, umbrella group founder, uh, they do just an amazing job here. So I, I've always loved the show and I've always just loved being able to, to come here. And, and so for some reason, this one, this one little 50 minute talk was just something else. Wow. Uh, it was a full packed audience, which is, you know, it was a huge, 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 uh, room. Uh, and it was simultaneously terrifying, but also just so wonderful, you know, cause, uh, I think, you know, the UK has just kind of thrown caution to the wind. I haven't seen, if I'd seen 10 masks since I got here, uh, I'd be surprised. You know, I got here yesterday morning. Um, sorry, no, two days ago, uh, the afternoon, the afternoon, not yesterday, but the day before. So, you know, whatever, it's been nearly 48 hours. 
Uh, and I've just, you don't see masks. They're, they're nowhere. I mean, it's crazy. It's a little terrifying because I have to survive Europe. I have to get through Europe without catching COVID, right? Uh, for the next like 30 days or something like that, um, which is, <laughs> you know, it can be done. If it can be done, I'm going to do it. You just watch. I'll be, I'll be fine. Uh, fingers crossed. I've got my masks and my, uh, you know, uh, my antisocial. That's the other thing. Like, so here in the, here in the UK, there's no masks. Like it seems they've just moved on. Not a person wears masks. Uh, they don't, you know, they don't care. I even asked, I was in a, um, taxi and, uh, you know, they don't, you can't roll down the windows in a lot of those cars, right? You can't get ventilation and the driver isn't wearing a mask. Uh, you know, it's just, Oh gosh, you know, <laughs> my, uh, my common sense was tingling. Um, uh, I, I, I didn't appreciate that, but I did, uh, you know, I was at the, at this talk and I was giving this talk and I'm on a stage and there's a huge audience, a single mask on them. And of course I'm on the stage. I can't really not wear a mask. I, I can't really wear a mask because I'm, I'm presenting, but mercifully they did a great job of keeping the seats back a fair bit and the stage is elevated. So hopefully, 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 uh, neither I, uh, nor them have, uh, contracted or, um, contributed to the COVID, uh, case count. Right. So that's, that's good. I don't know. It seemed okay. And I, I quite like that on check-in you have these three stickers you can choose a red, yellow, and green, uh, green means basically, you know, I'm, I'm happy if you come over and, uh, get up on my grill. Uh, red means, you know, I'm definitely afraid of your, uh, of your COVID and yellow means, you know, take it easy. A mask might be okay. I don't know, whatever. I'm not sure what they mean. I just got, they, apparently they're meant to indicate your, your comfort level. And so me, I'm, I'm, oh. I don't know. I don't know where I am. I think I'm green with the proviso that I'm going to wear a mask if you get anything closer than, you know, eight feet to me. Um, but, uh, but that said, I, you know, I, I, I loved it, man. It was so great. And I, Oh, Oh, I took selfies. People, Oh, this is one of the things I've missed. I, I, this happened at Dev Nexus in the, in the States uh, a few, like a month ago uh, where I spoke and it was, uh, you know, it was first, again, first in-person presentation. And again, I did my, uh, presentation here and uh, people swamp the stage afterwards and it's just you know 10 minutes of like chatting with people and taking selfies with them with my mask of course but but still what a privilege you know just it's so great to see these amazing people i have missed you all so so much thanks for coming out uh and thanks again devx uk for having me to uh you know to to your amazing show or having me at your amazing show i know you could have done better but you yeah you, you, you slimmed it and you you invited me back and I'll, uh, I'll always be grateful. Now, speaking of things for which I'm grateful, uh, today's guest, today's guest is Henri Tremblay, who's a, um, well, first of all, he speaks French, which is great. Um, but, uh, he's a Java champion, a long time Java champion, one of the OGs. Uh, he's, uh, he's just been in the Java ecosystem forever and a day. He's, he's, uh, forgotten more than I'll ever know, uh, about most things. And, um, he's just, he's, you know, he, I talk about it in the show. I talk about it in the interview, but I, he did a, uh, a keynote. Um, he and I were both in the keynote for Java one a few years ago, 2019, I think was the last year we did Java one together because that was the last, I mean, I'm sure we were both at Java one. Uh, was it called code one? I don't know. Um, now I'm confused. Uh, the, the years all kind of blur together at some point they changed it from Java one to code one. Then the pandemic came. So it's been a rocky road for the, for my memories of, uh, of Java one, uh, because it's just been 
muddled by all this other stuff. But anyway, we, he and I were at a keynote in what, what it was either Java one or the, the husk of what was Java one, right? The shadow of what was Java one. Um, and he did this, I mean, we all did, it was all, it was fun for everybody, but he did this amazing demo where he took old versions of Java, like Java 1.0 in random, right? And of course, this, this involved virtualization and old operating systems. And he did a demo where he connected uh, two different services talking on the network using two different versions of Java over different uh, operating systems. And, uh, you know, it's just ah, so cool. So cool. I mean, just to... It, it, it's a testament to how amazing Java is that you can actually do that. You can write code that was, you can take code that was written 25, 30 odd plus years. It's not 30 yet. Where are we now? It's 2022. Uh, so 1994, that's six, seven, eight, 28 years. Is that right? No. Is that right? I'm sorry. I, I'm recording and my brain is a tizzy. Let me think about this. 1994. 28 years, that is. Maybe it's 1995. When was the first version of Java? I think it was like 95, maybe. But I, you know, you heard about Oak and stuff in 1994. Um, either way, whatever, 28, 27 years. It's been a long time. We are closer to 30 years, three decades, right, of Java. Long, you know, long, Java is dead. Long live, long live Java, as they say. Um, 30 years almost, you know. And so the idea that you can take code written in that era, that epoch, that time, and uh, and just upgrade it to a new version of the JVM, and it still has a reasonable chance of working. Wow, you know that's pretty amazing, pretty amazing. Java has been uh, just uh, uh, a blessing, you know. It's no wonder the enterprises flock to it. It's if you want to be conservative, if you want to stay, you want to make sure that your code is stable and future proof. You bet on Java because it'll work. You know, we we don't break things in the JDK wantonly or. Uh, with abandon, right? It's easy enough to move forward if you need to. Um, yeah, good job, Java. Really, just amazing. Uh, what a what a what a run. Here, here's to another thirty odd years or whatever. Uh, anyway, he so Henri and I. I've been in the industry since you know ninety eight, right? I, I I've been programming since the middle of the nineties, right? I wasn't uh, the first adopter. I wasn't like the earliest adopters among the earliest adopters of Java. But still, even me, I'm a younger person, even I've got 20 plus odd years, uh, writing code in Java, you know, uh, more than 20 years. Um, and is that right? Yeah. 24 years. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not exactly, uh, new, you know, and I'm not that old either. I'm, I'm, I'm 38 now. So, uh, the, the idea that you've got, <laughs> you've got, you know, people like him that have just been in this ecosystem for, uh, you know, as long as possible, just, it's wonderful, just wonderful. And I, I anyway, I was, he's one of those people I've always admired always loved his uh work and you know he always does these very thoughtful things he's also a uh, you know community leader he works at the, he runs a uh jug and i just i didn't even I, if i'm honest it didn't even occur to me that he would slum uh slum it and and appear on my little show so i never really even asked him it's like uh you know it's just a it just didn't occur to me i just i don't you know i have i may come off as an arrogant uh uh bastard but i I don't have, I'm not that arrogant. I didn't think he would actually, I didn't think somebody as amazing him as he would, uh, would show up. So, and I, but I, I, that's been my surprise. You know, I, I've had a lot of people on the show that I wouldn't have thought to ask and it never even occurred to me, but then sometimes I bump into them or, you know, I see something from them like, wait, I wonder, you know, and I, uh, maybe, you know, a little liquid courage, I ask them and they actually uh, agree and it just blows me away. So 
Today's episode, my friends, is Henri Tremblay. Um, what a legend. I hope you enjoy. I, I, I will, uh, I'll tell you this. I enjoyed it, right? I always enjoy these episodes, but I really am so grateful for this, uh, this experience. So thank you, Henri, and uh, to the rest of you, enjoy. I'm so excited. We're, 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 we're on separate parts of the continent. You're in East Coast, I here on the West Coast, uh, and, and somehow through computers we have connected to each other, which is good because I haven't seen you in a long time, a uh, very long time. Just I don't know when the last time was, but I can think of a recent one, uh, and that was... Yeah, two years ago, or, uh, but yeah, only like, like Java 1, two years ago, something like that. Yeah, well, maybe it was a 2019, because Java 1 is usually... Uh, kind of like September, right, or October. Yeah. So, so it was. It would have been 2019, which means oh. that we're closer to three years now, right? We're we're not we're not close. We get another five, six months, I guess. But oh, maybe the Nevnexus, the Nevnexus after. Only 2020, if you were there. <clears throat> yep, I was, and uh, <laughs> I I bombed. I I did a perf- I did a talk that was just terrible, and <laughs> I don't know why. I just I, everything was just not going well. Things were like. My laptop was failing and me, I lost my confidence. And then the, the talk just, you know, destroyed. It was terrible. Um, and I just remember walking away from DevNexus going, ah, I hope I do better next time. I'll be back next year. I'll do better, you know? Um, and then meanwhile, here we are two years later. Uh, yeah, okay. <clears throat> so can you tell people who you are? I know who you are. Uh, you're one of my heroes. Uh, one of the Ooh, legends yeah. of the Java ecosystem. But uh, would you please introduce yourself? Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm bad at uh, talking about myself and my, my view, but let's try it out. So I'm Henri Tremblay. Uh, I'm, I live in Montreal and I was born here. Uh, but for a while, I actually lived in France for like 14 years, between 2000 wow. 2014. Yes, a long, long French time. Uh, where I enjoyed it and I learned a lot of things, actually. Um, and it's also where I started. So I, I picked up Java a bit randomly. Where, like I got a job in Java because I learned it at school to do some like re- network games or things like that. Yeah. And uh, and then from and that's how I ended up in banking. So most of my career, like my professional career, has been uh, working in market finance in Java. And uh, and aside of that, I started to do uh, open source. Um, I discovered that I think in 2000, let's call it 2002. I met Ben Masol. Yeah, uh, open oh, so, source software. So you and, did Java. When did you start Java? Uh, Java 98, I think. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. That's. I, I know yeah. you've done it for a long time, and I remember your yeah, keynote. You talked about that. In 2000, I think in 98, uh, IBM decided that they wanted to get Java developer and hire them to develop. I don't know what actually, and they gave us the first Core Java book, so Core Java One Dot One, from oh, wow. K Horstman, which is still the best book to learn Java ever. Yeah, uh, but get the new tomes, and uh, and and even trying to find a picture of that book on the internet, it doesn't exist. Nobody knows it ever existed, but that's how I learned. I just, uh, at that time when I was learning a language, I was just reading the book. I would read it from one cover to the other cover. Yeah, and uh, I did that for C++ and everything else. So I learned Java like that, and I found it quite fun because 
in these days, I was planning to do games. And when you do games in C++, you first take like an, a week to bootstrap DirectX. And then you take another week to be able to read by yourself images and then that, 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 that. And when you go in Java, you, you had a JDK already, yeah. which was able to load an image in like 15 minutes. Nothing. And yeah, and then you can pull out your, your UI. And so it was like, everything was so easy to do that I, I got uh, attached to the language quite, uh, quite soon. And that's why when they, when they offered me a job in doing trading platform in Java, I said, okay, yeah, I don't, I, I don't hate it. Let's try it out. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, uh, and yes, and open source happened after because I had no idea what it was. So, but uh, I met Vincent Massol, one of the big Maven. Pil pillars like Maven and uh, many other yeah. things. Um, uh, so one of the pillar of uh, Apache and, uh, and open source, and he, uh, he said, "Hey, you should, probably you should have a look." And I, and that's just, how I got interested. It just occurred to me that's Vincent Massal. For those of you looking for the, like, if you don't understand French pronunciation, <laughs> <laughs> I know who you're talking about, but I just, yeah, uh, okay, yes, Vincent. Look for that. If you're trying to Google that name, amazing person. Carry on. Sorry. Yes, no problem. Uh, and that's how I got interested in, uh, in EasyMock at some point. I saw, I was interested in unit testing and, uh, I don't know why, but I, I always liked testing the, the idea that your code should be tested and it, it, it should move your thought to get code that works and improve the, the quality of the code. Uh, and so I, I got into that. And, uh, and if you remember this long time ago, we were doing like manual mock objects. And at some point we had mock makers doing generation of mock objects and it was really terrible. And Easy Mock here by Tamu Fries, a German guy who, who had the brilliant idea of creating proxies to do mocks. And, uh, and at some point we found a way to create mocks on object and I got hooked there and I, I started maintaining the entire class extension and then the, uh, uh, the the entire EasyMock because he went going doing something else. Uh, I still maintain it, but I do not have that much time. And yeah. that's also how we fork Genesis, which is the magic thing that creates objects that uh, we that use that in Spring. Like. Yeah. You, you you do use that in Spring. It's used to create the proxies in Spring. Well, yeah, and, and to I'm get really around. Proud of. <laughs> and and we also use it to get around uh, constructors, basically. Uh, like exactly. it's. It's amazing. Yeah, it's a, that's been there for like seven years now in Spring. It's been, you know, more than that maybe. Uh, Spring Boot 4 at least, right? Spring Framework 4. So that's got to be at least five, uh, six years, seven years. I mean, it's a long time. Good stuff. That's mm -mm. uh, doing well his job. I, I know everybody would like to kill it because not calling a constructor is bad, but it, is, it, was, it has been useful for like 20 years. So it, yeah, can, can we assume it's useful now? <laughs> I think it is. I mean, you know. Sometimes you need to do that. I mean, from a framework perspective, I don't think regular people should be out for calling up Genesis. Please don't do that. <laughs> but, but like, if you're building a framework like Spring Data and you have you have to manually create people's objects, that's a great you know piece of technology to have is up Genesis. Uh, um, yeah, I'm BAs, but I, I will agree. Um, but it, it's true that I, I have a lot of discussion about the fact that these things should not be done. But we've proved that. Having proxies and mocks are actually super useful, and I and I'm advocating that because 
we were able to do sneaky things in Java is one of the reasons why Java is so important now because we were yeah. able to do a lot of crazy things with uh, with, with Java. Um, I, I compare with other languages like Rust, for example. I remember at JTree, um, <laughs> uh, we had a great discussion about Rust where to get correct performance in Rust at some, like if you want to implement a new collection in Rust, you're, you Lock need free. to go in the unmanaged part where everything is dangerous. So they, in Java, you never do that. You always stay in the, in the real thing. You might hit right. a little bit and hide in places in the JDK, but if I want to implement my own linked list with the same performance of the normal linked list or better performance, I can. And we have Eclipse yeah. Collections that does that, for example. Exactly. So, the only time I've ever seen... So with Java, it's really uncomfortable to leave Java, right? If you want to integrate with C or something like that, right now, before Project Panama, it's a pain, a real pain. You know, JNI is not fun. JNA is better, but still slow, you know? So, uh, whereas with Python and Rust and Go and all these other languages, calling, calling C is easy, you know? It's mm -hmm. not hard. It's not scary. And so you're encouraged to do it for almost anything. But in Java, because we have, it's so painful to use native code, most of Java is in Java, right? And you don't have to worry about it. You can run it on every platform that Java runs, which is wonderful, you know? With Python, every, I don't know if you've ever used Python. It's a lot of Python code, but then there's native C code for these extensions. And you're like, and so, so if you're doing, you know, scientific computing, these extensions only work on certain platforms. Maybe they're old or maybe they're using a different version of the C library. You know, it's just, it brings a whole level of complexity beyond, <laughs> beyond uh, just does the Python code do what it says it does, you know? Uh, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's, uh, you're 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 right. You're right. And in in Java, now I was I was thinking about like for things like uh, even in Ruby, uh, they now it's better because they recode a lot of the libraries in pure Ruby, but they yeah. it used to be bridge and and yes, um, what is it called? Noko Noko Kiri, something like this. Noko like, Kiri, yeah, yeah. That thing it used is. to take like three days to configure, <laughs> especially on Windows. So, ah, dear. And yes, that never happens in Java. Uh, well, it, well, there's one time. One time. Have you, do you remember those giant big database, big grids, memory grids, like uh, Infinispan and uh, Coherence, yeah. whatever? Mm -hmm. They have off-heap memory, right? Yeah. So basically they, they malloc, you know, gigs of ram off to the side of the jvm so you've got your jvm but it's got native code and it's mal it mallocs this giant swath of ram off to the side and it's man manually storing your data in the grid in that giant several terabytes or gigabytes of ram you know uh and <laughs> so you look so you do you look at the at j meter that's how you look at jmx and it's like oh my jvm app is taking a few hundred megs great it's doing good meanwhile there's like two gigs of <laughs> or five gigs or 10 gigs, or whatever of RAM over here on the side. That's like, where did that come from? Oh, it's my, it's my data grid. Yeah. But, but it's, um, I worked, I, I don't know what they do on their side. I worked for Terracotta uh, for a little bit. And oh, so we yeah. were doing distributed caching like that. And awesome. we were using a lot of off grid for the, for EH cache caching and things, uh, these things, but off, uh, off heap, sorry. But yeah. it's still quite Java-ish. Yes, the memory is not allocated on the Java right. heap. It's somewhere in the same 
it's unsafe that, you know but, but it's still like it still won't crash for example you you won't right. crash your system i, I know that right. right now for example we used to use a pricing library with jni as you said and yeah. we stopped because you never know when you will crash your full training system because of that stupid thing because no not no pointer exception but like yeah you, segmentation fault the great segmentation fault that crashed yeah. the full system <laughs> uh, and so we just stopped like the, we could use that thing but out of the at like out of the main training system because it, it, it's just it's just a bad idea java never crash yeah. that's great no it never it's it's bulletproof <laughs> uh i i love that about i mean so what you're describing is the runtime right like all these things that we have in java it's because you can ask java questions about java whereas you can't really do that like if you're a c program you can't ask questions about yourself dynamically at runtime with java i can ask what classes are loaded and what methods exist and I can create new classes and I can do all these things that, you know, there's somebody babysitting me. There's somebody there to answer my questions when I'm in the runtime, like Lisp, you know? And if you want to change your runtime, like Lisp, you can also do that as well with Java. You can add new things to the runtime that didn't exist at compile time, you know, through proxies mm -hmm. and, and through creating custom classes in the class order. I mean, just, just amazing, you know, the flexibility. I, uh... Wait, so you worked I at Terracotta? You worked at Terracotta. Uh, I love Terracotta. Yeah. That was great. Like, what happened to them? They got Software AG? No, who bought them? Somebody, I, I haven't heard Software from them in years. Yeah. Yeah, Software AG so, bought them. So I, I was in the Software AG era. I arrived there in 2016, maybe. Wow, I haven't heard that name in a long time, but they were great. I, I think I even wrote about them in one of my books. Let me see. Uh, I think I did. I, I'm not sure. I'm, or maybe, maybe I didn't get that chapter in. I, but there was that was like 2009 or eight when I was looking at this stuff, and I remember Terracotta. There's Terracotta, Grid Gain, and of course, you know, then there's the expensive coherence and yeah. you know, uh, uh, Terracotta was always. I mean, it was magic to me. I mean, the fact that I could just write Java code and it, huh, I could just manipulate collections on the cluster. You know, um, I was prep when I when I arrived. They were not doing it that much anymore it was more like uh distributed caching because it was in 2009 it was useful but then the garbage collector got better so nobody right. cared about this like dispatching the ram was and dispatching the heap wasn't that useful anymore. right so that, that they were discarding that part actually because, yeah okay now you need 16 gig of ram of, of heap you will just use 60 gig <laughs> no big deal. Yeah, yeah, and then anymore, especially with the the new garbage collector with Shenandoah and uh, that that GC. Don't is it, wait, is is Shenandoah the one without the garbage collector? Which one is the one that has no garbage collector? Epsilon. Epsilon. Yeah, that's the one that's just great for like serverless for like startup alloc allocate everything and then die. You know, yeah. it's instantaneous, right? Because there's no cost, there's no pauses. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, sorry, I'm thinking. So Shenandoah is the, that's the, uh, which one? That's the, the... Red app, you had that one uh, done by Alexei <laughs> Shipilev. So it's an equivalent of the GC. I don't exactly know the difference. You need to ask him. Yeah. But <laughs> it's a theoretically low latency for huge heaps. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, which is good. It used okay. to be there was this like, there's this built in limit, right? Do you remember? I remember uh, if you if you went to somebody 12 years ago, 15 years ago, and you said, how much RAM did you allocate to your Java process? Almost everybody, two gigs, because 
after that you hit it was 32 bit right you couldn't you couldn't do more it was just very uncomfortable uh and then mm. 64 you know like it was very um the garbage collector started to become very slow noticeably slow once you started to try and go beyond that you know so everybody was just two gigs and now of course we're the the big problem isn't more it's trying to get less we're trying to go down to you know 100 megs or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah because lambdas and because everything uh, mm -hmm. but yeah because but you're right because when 32 bits we could allocate without translating the um the address and uh, mm -hmm. as soon as you go uh, other uh, over two bit two gig it, it, it yeah switch back to something else um which was a problem it was a problem also with 62 bits for a little while for 62 bit <clears throat> systems they were slower because they would have like too much addressing in there would take too much memory because everything was 64 bits right and, um, and you, you had to watch out when switching from 32 to 64 because suddenly your JVM would just blow. Oh yeah, everything took twice as much space. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Or almost, not exactly, but yeah, I, remember, I remember that. That was, what did they do? They did like compressed, was it compressed or something? Recently, that was my last 10 years, they created like a, I want to say compressed pointers, but I don't remember the name for it. There was something that they did that yes. shrank it back do, down to size. I do not remember, but yes, they did something like that. They kind of, Instead of having the 64 bits, they packed it in like 32. It's a little yeah. bit like uh, what they did on Intel CPU when they went from 16 to 32. Uh, you have like an offset and uh, another thing, and then you can cram that in, I don't know, like 18 bits if it's not, if it's under eight gigs, something like this. So, and after eight uh, gigs, you're on your own. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> it. Which is fine. Like, although eight gigs now, you can get a Raspberry Pi with 16 gigs. Right, which is not yep. a small computer anymore. That's not like a small embedded toy computer. That's that's more powerful than my Macintosh lap laptops up until 2018. Right, that's mm -hmm. that's crazy. Uh, yeah, I, I cannot believe you can do so. Maybe maybe Java should support more because if you can do 16 gigs on a Raspberry Pi, I mean, I have a uh, my laptops. Every laptop I have now has 64 gigs of RAM. Right, which is now, I, I, you know, uh, like you, I'm like you. I'm sure I've run many, many services with much less RAM in production. You know, many, many computers with much less RAM. Uh, so the idea that my laptop is, yeah, uh, right now I can. Because I, I, everybody has 64 gig of RAM at that TS Imagine where where I work, and uh, because it allows us to run the entire platform actually on there. On yeah, I mean, I remember trying to do Hadoop to process 64 gigs of data, you know, massive. You got a whole warehouse of computers, so, so you can do word count on less than 64 gigs of data. And now you've got like laptops that can fit most of that in RAM, you know, like uh, it just doesn't feel, something is weird. It's very weird now, you know, we've gotten very, uh, very lucky, you know. Uh, do other run times, have the ability to address a lot of RAM, I wonder. Like Java can, we can address more now, but certainly not like infinite. Uh, I don't know. What happens if you, actually you can't, like if I create a Python program and just creates a 12 gigabytes of, of stuff, does that work? I don't know. 
Uh, good question. If you do not have garbage collection, it, you can address infinite amount of RAM because sure. there's no GC that will choke underneath. Right. Um, as soon as you have a GC, I don't know how far it can go. Uh, yeah. I, I'll be surprised if like Ruby and or Python could withstand that load. Maybe. I, maybe. Me too. Um, I, I know that some. Sometimes they can because the the way the things are allocated is a bit different. So you can figure out when things are unused directly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, with yeah, I, some kind of smart pointers, things like that, where you unallocate when, like in Lisp, for example, in Lisp, you always know if you can unallocate or not because you, you know that you're out of the scope of the variable at some point uh, because everything is functional. So they, they do not have that problem. Uh, oh, the, the, the context in the code tells you about the memory scope as well, which is nice. Yeah. With, uh, with uh, Java and other things with the shared state, you just don't know if you're leaking or not. Yes. Yeah, the, the object oriented caused leaking, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. So, so Terracotta, what did you do after? So you did finance, but you're in the finance industry, which is, I always tell people to rethink what they think about software, because I know that most people know about Silicon Valley. You know, it's just, I don't know, it's, it seems to be famous for being a software place. But really, I think there's just as much interesting stuff happening in finance and, and you know, back office trading and all that stuff, you know, and everything to do with that industry. There's so much amazing tech uh, there, especially in the Java ecosystem, right? Game-changing stuff that just, I, I, you know, really, really smart. And you don't, you don't hear about it as much, but it's just as interesting to me, if not more, than some of the stuff that comes out of Silicon Valley. Uh, there, there's a lot of energy there. And... Um... And all banks are using Java a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot because yeah. it's reliable, it works. And, and when like they, they, can't, they came from COBOL application that were reliable and worked. So when you go somewhere else, you want something reliable that works. And, uh, and also that is quickly maintainable. An example I've seen a lot of, um, like in high-frequency trading, I added that discussion with... Uh, one of the, or two uh, high frequency guys in Java. What, uh, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, and I think it's with them. Like a lot of times they used to do something in C, but yeah. adding features, modifying the code to adapt in C was extremely costly. So, so when you figured out how to be really fast in Java, adding features in Java is quite fast. You need some yeah. patterns to make sure you're low memory and little things like that. But, but still, you get a velocity of development that is amazing compared to some more low-level code with the same performance. So you're, you're happy. And your yeah. clients, like the traders, are happy. And, uh, and so a lot of banks did that, and they just started to use it, even for really, really, really high performance. And and I still hear a lot of oh but Java is slow no it's like London Stock Exchange runs on it and right <laughs> and yeah, yeah exactly so no it's not that slow man you should look it's out. To, it, and actually this is the thing I don't think people understand is I mean I know you do but uh, a Java program that was written by a mediocre developer can often be more performant than a C plus plus program written by a mediocre developer. And the reason is because 
the Java runtime sees the full picture of the memory. And so you don't have, like with C and C++, you have resource acquisition is initialization, right? So every time you enter a scope, you allocate memory. And then before you leave that scope, because you don't want to forget about it, unless you're using a smart pointer, like STD pointer or whatever, uh, you, 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 you free it, you free the memory, right? Like, and so you have the, all these little bursts of memory and that's slow. It adds to the footprint of your C program, right? Whereas with Java, Java can just, it, you know, it's keeping an eye on everything. You don't have to worry about it. It can clean out all of it at once instead of just, you know, doing it all the time, you know, or better yet, it can do it passively in the background all the time instead of just whatever somebody remembers to out of free call, you know? Uh, Java's amazing. Agreed, agreed. And and now, yeah, and I was talking about uh, Martin Thompson and uh, Peter Lowry, so they won't get, they won't stay on name forever. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. The, great, great knowledgeable guy, of course. Um, yeah, Peter Lowry, and yeah, yeah, Mark Thompson. Um, no. What's so and then and where I do oh yeah because we were talking about uh, about finance so yes it's heavily used um, it's been there for a long 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 time and it, it and it still evolves a lot I, I do I do like the this kind of stability while it's still evolving and I do like the amount of brain that has been put in there something like the JVM is an incredible piece of work or hotspot, all these things. There's a lot, 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 lots of really, really, really wise men that have put their mind and in women. there. And, yep. and women, of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's French habits, like the Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no. I, Totally, I understand. Tu um, uh, Yeah, it's it's worth, I was just tweeting about this the other day. I Because I got I have to imagine it's more than a billion dollars of R&D. You know, I just, yeah, I, yeah. Could, there's no way it could not be. It's 27 years now, right? I mean, it's very old and uh, it's been full-time, hundreds of people working at it full-time for 25, 27 years. You know, it's just amazing. Uh, what a wonderful gift the Java runtime is. And we get to use it for free for some reason, which is thank you, Oracle. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, but yeah, absolutely. And it's really rare because you look at other virtual machines, it was done, uh, it's nice, but it's done by a bunch of guys, girls on open source yeah. on the free time. You, you cannot get at the same place. It's not, not that they're bad. It's just that no. you need people in time with them. It's, yeah. But, but yeah, anyway, I mean, so. and plus open source, oh, that's a huge multiplier as well with, it, with Java. I mean, other languages have open source as well, but we, with Java, you've got the best of both worlds. You've got full-time professionals that are like PhDs and research scientists and all that. And they're working on the really hard stuff. And you've got open source to help flesh out the other stuff as well, you know, to make sure that there's no cracks. You know, it's, it doesn't matter how good, how fast your runtime is if you can't do anything with it, you know? So I feel like Java has been wonderful. We've got the really smart people being paid full-time and we've got the huge open source ecosystem. So there's no cracks. It's, it's supported. Absolutely. It gets better and better and better. And so, <laughs> I was I, I was going to link because the, the, of what I said just before uh, before we started to record the uh, the wisdom of existing code. Java is wisdom of existing code. Like really, yeah. really smart people made it work and constantly maintain it for like twenty five years now. Twenty seven, right? Ninety four, even twenty eight, almost. No. Well, so okay, but I have a con I have a counterpoint. I was just about to ask you about this. The one place where I have seen that they have taken a big bet in a rewrite and it has kind of paid off is GraalVM. 
right? The uh, C1 yeah. just-in-time compiler. They replace that mm -hmm. C++ code. It's optional. You don't have to use it. It's still not the default, right? Uh, true. We, we saw... Uh, we saw two cool things. Uh, one is nobody knows about it, but uh, one is then when they, the the socket API that was rewritten, oh, yeah. I think in Java 16, 15, something like that. Yeah. Recently. Where that's amazing. They have done that because we get much better performance. For those who are not super Java savvy, we had like socket API went out in Java 1.0 or 1.1. And and since then we did like new IO, new IO two, new IO three, and something like this. So we have at <laughs> least three flavors of IOs, and we never rewrote the API. So all the web servers in this world are running on actually the original API, and yeah, they decided up to do it. Yeah, and they did an extremely incredible job at just rewriting the entire implementation using the shiniest latest API. Uh, and that was a good collaboration. Actually, I did like this story because Oracle worked a lot on it, but they, they got the guys from JD, from Netty, from probably from Spring, from Tomcat, and they, they all worked together to find all the, the issues there was. And at the end, I don't think they had lots of hiccups when it went out. So that's a quite amazing refactoring from the guys doing it and from the GDK and the community. Um, Growl VM is an amazing thing, and I'm really eager to see it becoming the real stuff, like the official hotspot replacement. Yeah. Um, I, and by the way, so for people listening, Growl VM is, when it first started, it was supposed to be a replacement for hotspot, right? A just in time compiler. Uh, and, and then there's this native image thing. That's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about the, the <laughs> I think most people think Growl VM equals native image, but it's an amazing just in time replacement. It's just an amazing hotspot replacement, right? Like. Uh, Hotspot is great, but CrowdVM is free performance. You just you just turn it on, you get like twelve percent, you know, more efficiency. Uh, uh, yeah, it's great, but it's not the default, right? Uh, it's not the default. It's not even in there, so it's not even bundled anymore as it used to be. But oh, no. since CrowdVM was evolving, really, no, it's for a good reason. Nobody was using the flag to get because you you would use always an old GraalVM and you never want to use an old GraalVM. So if you want to use GraalVM, you must download GraalVM and use GraalVM. Use SDK man and install Graal and go right. for it. Um, but and that's uh, fine too because it's open JDK with this one thing, the hotspot changed. And, yeah. Uh, and yeah, and, and so I don't know if it will become the official thing when, where. I know there's like LVM Enterprise, so I think there's a lot of marketing and possible money involved in there. Yeah. I'm not sure if it will, but uh, I would like to see it. For those who don't know, Hotspot is in C. Uh, was yeah. Most of it was coded by Cliff Click a long, long, long time ago. It has been an incredible piece of work for a long, long time and still is. However, yeah. For a language, it's quite hard. It's quite rare that your compiler is not in the language it's compiling. Theoretically, you would code a compiler in the previous language, and as soon as the language is done, you will recode the compiler in the new language, and then that's what will be your compiler forever after. Um, in Java, it's a bit different because there's the, the just-in-time compiler and the bytecode compiler, which are two different right. things. But still, that's we we run on the C compiler at runtime, and it feels a little bit weird. And also, and which means that you need to know C to be able to maintain your own language. And 
So for me, it, it would be great just to go to to Graal VM forever. Right. And uh, and I I do know talking with the guys doing it that like oh I need an intrinsic here let's do it and it takes like ten minutes and you have your new intrinsic so it's uh, way easier to play with than Hotspot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, because it's Java, right? Yeah, mostly Java. It's like ninety nine percent Java, whatever the new Gravium uh, mm. just in time compiler. Ah, yeah. Um, C plus. I mean, C plus plus is it's it must. I wonder if that contributes a lot to the timelines of. I mean, they come out every six months, but still, I wonder when you sit down to change the runtime performance and the compiler semantics, you have to change it in C plus plus and in Java, right? Is that I never even thought about that until mm. you just said that. But that must. That must be very weird. You have to you have Java, which is Java, and then you have the hotspot, which is C plus uh, plus. But you're not actually com you're compiling. So do they share the same lexers or everything, or like what? I guess it's a method. You don't have to compile. So you've got a byte code and you're turn turning that into native code. Whereas with Java, you've got source code and you're turning it into bytecode. So they're not doing the same thing exactly. They're two different compilers, but yeah. for di yeah. from for different sides of the language, you know different dimensions yeah, so one is taking the real language so text and then yeah. converts that to bytecode and the other takes the bytecode and converts it to intel or amd or whatever instruction yeah so it's, it's, it's different um which is why also it can compile python and ruby and whatever because it, it just moved that to bytecode and then mm. things happen uh, right it's <laughs> so amazing you can get hotspot performance for your ruby code on on, on java which is another reason why just like with C, Java Ruby on Java can actually be much faster than Ruby on C, right? Uh, JRuby is amazing. Same thing for, I think Jython used to be faster than Python, but I'm not sure if it's been updated in a while. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. just I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but just have, having things on the JRE gets you free performance, and you can do real threading, right? Like with Python and Ruby, they have this interpreter lock, so you can't create real threads. Uh, it's it's one thread per process basically, and um, maybe that's changed a little bit, but that's called the global interpreter lock, GIL. And it's a big problem. But in Java, you don't have that. So if you take that Python code and run it on Jython or take that Ruby code and run it on JRuby, suddenly you've got much better scalability for, for free, you know, assuming your extensions work in Java, which <laughs> not always true. <laughs> uh, no, you need to stick to actually, yeah, non-exotic using other language libraries. Right. Which I highly recommend anyway because it, it do work. Yeah, it's much makes life easier. Okay, so so you're saying don't rewrite code bases, and I'm with you by the way. There's wisdom. Most of the time, I'm with you. I think the Gravity, I think the Java team got away with this because first of all, they already had something that worked great, and nobody was insistent that it be changed. It wasn't like they were going to stop using Java just because Hotspot wasn't in Java, right? Uh, it, it was meeting the market demands, right? Um, the Hotspot was and is. You know, so when they created the GraalVM thing, they did that on the side. It didn't stop the inertia mm -hmm. of Hotspot. So there, you know, that was a rewrite, but it still worked out okay. But in general, we'll go on. Yeah, and even in that case, they're not saying I will rewrite everything, but yes, they do rewrite a big chunk. And I'm not against rewriting things ever, ever. Uh, <laughs> there's like a tendency of saying like old code works, so you, you should not touch it. That's sad. And I, I do think that the kind of application should be maintained with love through time uh, and modified and refactored and uh, and improved to 
continue fulfill your needs and 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 yes you should migrate from java 1 to 2 3 4 5 6 17 uh, 17 stop at 17 for now yeah. um, <laughs> but um but the tendency of oh, oh we should rewrite everything in rust or oh we should rewrite everything in node oh we should in many cases it's because you never really saw a naturally working application with a correctly huge amount of code uh I, I do remember an anecdote about that i don't know if you remember that at some point somebody stole windows code or i think it was windows code from microsoft and it went on, on the internet for a little while and people were laughing at some of the comments that were in there saying hey Microsoft is doing traffic code and you, you would have something like a comment would say um, here I, I'm putting these two lines because it, it, otherwise stupid ActiveX and Microsoft Word won't work with the, like uh, Excel I don't know what something like this so and that's in the in the Windows code so wow. and, and you see that line and for me that's not dumb that's perfect like the guy is explaining why he has this right. little stupid if that is super weird right. and the little super if is actually needed and if you ask well, your product owner to draft a spec after the fact without looking at that code and there's no way in the world he will figure out that he needs to tell you that right. so so that code is has been improved and is now working Huge. for like years and years and it's magical so if you put that to the dump and you try to, to trash and you do it again you'll fail miserably miserably yeah it'll take pain I, by the way and, and it's not the the converse is also not true right the opposite which is that if you have open source the code comments will be better right uh so do you remember they had like Unix, this Unix code, and then also maybe it was Linux. There's there. I actually used to have T-shirts for some of this stuff because it's just great. Like there was one driver that <laughs> there was one thing. What was it? Unix. It was something in the bowels of one of the operating systems that was where where, where you can get the code. And the comment was, "You are not you're not expect you are not expected to understand this, right?" Uh, and it was like. Wow, you know, because <laughs> they're about to do something so horrible and evil, you know, black magic that could never work. Uh, and so the comment sounded very condescending, but it wasn't. It was saying, this doesn't make sense. It, it, it could never make sense. And then in Linux, there was a driver and it had, uh, you know, the, the F word, right? Mm -hmm. F word, me with F word, me gently with a chainsaw. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> and that shift, that's in the, that was in the, is it the kernel? I don't, I, again, it's been 20 years since I cared about this stuff, but there's some very good, I mean, very bad, very useless comments in, in code. So when you find proprietary code where somebody's cared about it and they've done a lot to make sure it's navigable for the next person, that's amazing. Yes, and I really, I, and about comments, there's a say that they you do not need to comment anything because uh, like the names of the method should tell it all and that's not true. So <laughs> to everybody who's listening now, that's not true. Yes, it helps to have a good name to your methods. And yes, if you call it blah, 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 and then you put some <laughs> Java duck on top, that won't help anybody. So try to find good names for everything. But I, I can't put in the name of the thing I'm writing that like, I don't know, if you look at collection.sort, 
you do know it does sort, but yeah. it's quite useful if I read the code of the sort in there that, yes, this is a, what kind of sort is it again? Uh, is it bubble? I don't know. It's not a bubble. It's a binary tree. Um, no, it's, it's a variation of a quick sort, but with, uh, it's a lower, uh, a lower constant. So it's still n log n with lower constant, but anyway, and okay. and they will do and they will do that thing. But then uh, they will start doing it at uh, at some level of, of course, if you're if you, you, like under thirty items, you you be sequential, and then so they will explain all of this. If you go through the codes, why they're right. sorting like that, then you will have a bunch of instances of like if the if the list is uh, the collection sorted is actually a sequential collection. I, I won't sort the same way as if I'm a linked list or because in linked list I will just switch notes and it's right. all explained and you it's will brilliant. never guess that. So no. uh, yeah. it's good to read it. So I'm uh, like for me each time you're doing something in your head and you're you're telling yourself, oh that's smart. Do please write or line comment because it's you. You won't even remember yourself two days after, right? So nobody else will get it. Yeah, yeah. totally. And, and it's it's interesting to. So I take it you're a big fan of testing. You just said you're a big fan of testing, and I like test driven development. Obviously, that's a, a very nice way to write software because you can think about the concepts and then write code to match with the concept very quickly. You know, so you you navigate through the program in terms of the the proof that the program works. Uh, and so I used to think that was all I needed was those very clear tests, very small focused tests. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer. I, I think you should have good comments, like you're saying. Uh, it, it's not enough just to have the tests, you know. It's not, it's not actually just the documentation. Um, yeah, you're right. The test helps, of course. The, the, test, the test helps. For me, the test is used for, of course, regression to tell that, that's how it should work, but it always tells the intention. So when you do a test for something, it's because you assume that it should work that way. And so somebody else, if the other person after you doesn't assume it should work that way, they will see the test failing and say, oh my God, they needed that thing. It's not right. useless. They, they actually intended to do it uh, that way. So it's a, it's a design, I know. Uh, I'm, I'm looking for an example, but it's really a, the test for me. It's also a, some kind of checkers. It's like you do, when you do a math exam, you try to do it two ways, and if you get the same answer, or when you do accounting for accounting, you do that. Right. You have Double um, booking. Exactly, and you're looking, and if numbers are the same, I, I'm doing that these, uh, right now. Like yesterday, I did that, and uh, and when the difference between the two calculation is zero, you're just happy. And yes. Okay, I got it. <laughs> And, and for me, the test is the same thing. The test will show the intention. So if the test is agreeing with the code, everyone, everyone's happy. And every time one or the two is not agreeing, you need to check, okay, do I need to change the test or do I need to change the code? Which, and, uh, and then uh, I will realign there. Um, and where were we going? Where was I going with that? <laughs> uh, the wisdom, I actually I have another question. I have no idea where we are going. I have another question. Just completely, I, I just noticed, Okay, when you worked in France and you were working for software companies and you were writing Java code, did you write comments in French or in English um, or some other language? It, um, it depends, I would say, uh, and it depends on the banks. Uh, it, 
Don't mention the banks, you know. No, 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 but that's an interesting question. But uh, because I work for some American banks, so the comments were in English. Uh, after that, I did a bunch of French comments. I also work on systems where we were migrating for like German systems, and we had to read the German comments, uh, which was quite fun. And um, but but then I, at some point, yeah, at some point, everybody started to code in English. But in France, they're, they're in France, they're, they're not that good at it. Or the so there was even in the name of metas, there will be a lot of typos. Or one of the main thing is the the they tend to put s's like if it's a an apple list in France, they will name that an apples list. So they will put the s uh, and 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 so I would I would open code and see. Tons of grammar error over the place, and and, um, and almost ununderstandable comments. So I, I think it's some company I just told them like just put the comment in French seriously yeah. because if if you like nobody can read the English comment anyway. So don't it's don't not bother. it's not helping. It's harder yeah. for you, and we're not getting what we need from it. So write it in their language. Um, yeah, exactly. And I was fixing typos and frameworks, and they would tell me, "Oh, but you will break everything." No, I'll put the two methods for a while and I'll deprecate yeah. the other one, but there's no way we keep like for the next 10 years the typo in that thing. No. I'm, I'm just tired to like write science with S-C-E-I <laughs> forever. <laughs> so no, 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 no. And auto-completion doesn't make it easier. It just hurts that it, oh, something that wrong like, can appear. They were learning to type the typo forever. Oh, yeah. no, no, cannot. But okay, so so I've I I write most of my code. You know, all my code is in English. But um, obviously, I speak some other languages, and I wouldn't be offended. You know, there's no reason to care for me if I read some other languages. I don't care. The uh, but so for example, it's the languages that I can't read. You know, um, and and this is. I, have you ever worked with code in China, right? There's a lot of great open source in China. Really, really good. Like some, some of the best stuff out there. And it's been, it's a lot harder for me to dive into that world because obviously everything, the wiki pages, the code, the comments, it's all commented in Chinese, which makes sense since they're in China and they speak Chinese. It's perfectly fine. Uh, but I do kind of wonder, you know, I mean, now thanks to Google Translate, I can get, most of the understanding, you know, it's, I'd much prefer a long, very detailed explanation in Chinese compared to a, a poor explanation that, like you said, that doesn't work in English. Uh, so I'm just wondering, I was just wondering what your experience with that was. I, I think people should write in their language if they want to. In fact, I would think it would be easier and we get more people contributing if they felt like they could, you know. I, I agree. Uh, and I'm a big defender of French in general. Uh, yeah. But yeah. But yes, when you want to be used all over the place, you, you end up in English, English name. And, uh, and it's, yeah, that I, it's strange. Sometimes I have the, I'm, we're, I'll, I'll digress a bit, but English <laughs> was quite useful to computer engineering because English yeah. has no accent like in the other languages, like French, Spanish, and everything else. Yeah. So you have only the ABCD. Bits and eight bits. That's uh, the accent also fixed in eight bits, but uh, not everything yeah. like Chinese or Japanese. And right. um, 
and it was even fitting in seven bits, the, these little letters. And, and strangely, when you write code in English, the fact that the adjective goes before the noun, it, it actually makes it easy to find names of things in French. It's not, it, it doesn't end up as fluent. You, you will. All right. You will need to add de, la, something, du, something. So there's a lot of words in the middle. And, and so I'm always wondering because of the fact that it was super compact and yeah. that it's actually quite efficient when you write it uh, in, in, for methods and everything. It, 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 that's why it happened there, maybe. But that's a philosophical thought. <laughs> yeah, I mean, actually, can you write a method name in Arabic? Chinese? Today? I haven't, I've never tried. I never uh, in Java, yes, because Java supports Unicode, so you can do whatever you want. You could That's put all your, your method name in whatever you want. Yeah. You could probably have an emoji or something. I don't know. It's amazing what you can do in Java, but I, I just don't see enough of it. I wish I did. I wish I saw more, you know, I know it's a very diverse ecosystem, you know, and if you go to GitHub, the names of people who are con contributing, it's all around the world, you know, everywhere. But uh, I don't see enough comments, and I would love to just find a project and everything is in Arabic or Korean or, or what you know Chinese or whatever. It'd be so cool, you know, uh, a big project like that's being used a lot. Like even J Hipster, you know, établi par français, you know, like uh, J Hipster, it's all in English, you know. It's like oh. <sighs> okay. no, but they do, they do. I'm I'm uh, I'm really happy they did that up front, but they they they're supporting since the beginning. They're supporting multi languages. So yeah. when you generate the code, it, yeah, the, their website, I don't think their website is more than in English, but uh, they, they do support French, English, and other languages. Oh, internationalization, and, yeah. Yeah, internationalization. Yeah, multiple. And so, and, and that, that has been always nice. Um, it's, something that's, it's something we see a lot when something is done by non-English speaking people. So when the framework comes from there, it does support other things. Uh, it's the same for websites. They like American websites will still get bad characters. You still get the wrongly uncoded UTF because they, they, they screwed up and nobody will notice because nobody is going there with a uh, browser in browser language. <laughs> and, and for everybody who doesn't speak English, it's still really annoying to get an email with like wild character there or not even be able to write your name in general. But like your name is not accepted because there's an accent, a cute accent on your, on your name. Uh, so and it, that yeah. still happens a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot when it's coming from uh, English-speaking countries. Yeah. I, yeah, totally. And, and I, I live in an English-speaking country, so obviously I don't notice it unless I go elsewhere and like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is what it should be. It should be more, you know, I set my, I sometimes set my locale like to French or whatever, just because of, I have an easier time and I'm accessing services in other places, you know, where they actually are. That might be the first language, you know? Um, but otherwise it, it, you're, you're right. The world is definitely not, we, do, we could, the English speaking world could do a better job of like caring for the rest of the, uh, the, the planet, you know? I think so. <sighs> have you, have you tried like for fun? Like if you switch maybe, but maybe the, you have a lot of French guys at that spring, but if you switch the language on, of your operating system and then you run the full test suite for Spring, does it fail? You should try it just for fun. Oh, it should, yeah. It's, so set my uh, locale, like my, uh, <laughs> like, uh, 
what's what's that environment variable? Yeah, yeah, your local lang. That depends okay. on your yeah. OS. So that's but uh, your lang variable or whatever. So you change the language, and then you run the test suite and you see what happens. Frequently fail. Yeah, yeah. I I should try it. I'd be very curious, actually. Yeah, that's a good point. Because you're right. We do have a lot of French people, a lot of Germans, a lot of you know different different uh, polyglottal people. You know, so hopefully somebody tried it before before us. Um, I've never tried. I've, I've never tried it, you know. I know that we have good internationalization support in Spring itself. So people use Spring to no. build internationalized websites, you know, for 20 years, you know, no problem. But, um, hmm. Hmm. yeah, okay, I'll check. I'll, <laughs> I'm, I'm almost scared to find out. So Spring is one of those, Spring is one of those things where, like, like you just said, it, we've never had to rewrite it, right? We've always put love and care into it. It's the same. You can take code that ran on Spring 1.0 you know, in 2002, uh, or Spring 1.0 came out in 2004. But so you take that project and you upgrade the jars. And as long as you're not using a library that fell out in the, in the last 20, uh, you know, 18, 20 years, like OJB, Apache OJB, you know, we don't support mm -hmm. that anymore. Or, or Hibernate 1, we're not supporting that anymore either. So as long as you're not using one of those libraries that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't exist or that we don't have integrations for anymore, it'll still work, you know? Like if you just, the core dependency injection mechanism still works 18 years later and we haven't had to rewrite anything you know it's it's been lovingly cared for and the package is well designed and all that um and but that's not always easy right so i i, I think some people think oh well gosh i'm just gonna just i'll just rewrite it how it, we got to clean this up and we were talking about the wisdom of code i i asked you about this earlier do you, joel sposky talked about this uh joel on software right this uh he, do you know Fogbugs? Fogbugs software. Sorry? They created they, you know Fogbugs software. They created no. um, they created Trello, and uh, other stuff. Anyway, they they created a, a bunch of like project management and bug tracking solutions, and really interesting company. And the guy that ran it was Joel Spolsky, and he had a partner, but I, I forget the partner's name. Uh, but uh, they they both started this company and um, they created a lot of cool stuff, right? Like uh, really cool stuff. And he wrote blogs and they got published into books and all that. And one of the blogs that he wrote that I always thought was like really controversial, but that I think I agree with more now, 15, 20 years later, was that you should never rewrite software, right? And he talks about the Netscape to, mm -hmm. You know, they they tried to rewrite Netscape. And the Netscape them. disaster between six and seven, something like this. Yep. Yeah, four and five, I think, or four and six, whatever. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, what do you think? Like, uh, we talked about GraalVM, but in general, are you for or against big rewrites? I'm I'm, I'm definitely against. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, Me too. but. Especially like when the reason is it feels shinier, uh, that's that's a bad reason. Like yeah. if you're an, a really old, I know a really old biking system that has been that you cannot evolve anymore because it got stuck in the fifties, and uh, and you would like to and on some like IBM uh, mainframe, and you would like to get out of there. I can understand you'll want to rewrite. So yeah. and so these case does that do happen you need to migrate to something new it's rare but right. it, it does it, i did it i actually replaced an entire like an entire 
banking system from uh, from Cobol. But when you do that, you you go really step by step. Like let's do this little module first, and then you do parallel running for a while to make sure like the same amount of money goes into your account at the end <laughs> all the time. And 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 then you move these little pieces one after the other. If you're if you go waterfall and okay, let's take five years to trade a new system and that will magically replace the first one, you'll just die. So you do need to do it little pieces by little pieces. And um oh I I had an interesting story like that. Um yeah. So a company that will stay unnamed, uh, they had a really old, uh, a really old Java application running on, wasn't Silverstream, but uh, I think what was the first, the first uh, like reference implementation of uh, an application server done by uh, Net Netscape. Sun. No, it wasn't. Wasn't there? Wasn't it in JavaScript? Like there was. I think it was Netscape. Um, didn't, didn't they have a, a... No, 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 no. For application servers, something in Java. So there was Silverstream, but after Silverstream, there was a reference implementation for like the old, 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 old EGBs. Uh, and not not j Not j Yeah, no, not j but something else. I forgot, like before Glassfish. The thing that was before Glassfish. So it's like somebody will tell us, but I forgot. So they were using that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, and they wanted to re so they asked another company to replace it and and the new and the new version wasn't really well working and and it was running on the same hardware so I write there and like hey why why isn't it working and I I did the analysis of all this and in the end it's like I, I'm sorry because it must that thing is maybe 15 years old. But they did such a bad job at <laughs> with the new thing that it's actually slower than the old thing. So that's why you <laughs> cannot sustain the same load. It should sustain like 70 times the load you're going from Java 1.2 on a 2001 application <laughs> server to Java 8 and uh, in 2015. And it's slower because they did a really, really terrible job. The other version yeah. wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so. Oh, that's a shame. You, you, oh, makes me well, sad. When and the CTO hearing that, like, oh dear God, what, what can I do? Yeah. <laughs> I'm doomed. Doomed. And and plus, if your application is slower today than it was 20 years ago, and that's with the JVM giving you free performance boosts yeah. along the way, that's really bad. You know, it's not. It, wow. Yeah. Like. That's the yeah, you you really need to work on it to be that slow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've got to go extra mile. Yeah. I, <laughs> the JVM is beautiful because it's it's I know Moore's Law is dead and certainly Java doesn't quite give you Moore's Law kind of performance, but it's still free performance every six months, usually. You know, every six months there's some mm -hmm. some part of Java that just gets better faster, and I don't even have to, well, okay, I'll I'll just deploy that. Thank you. You know, it doesn't cost me anything, you don't need to pay a subscription. Just free performance. Why not? You know, I don't know how they do it. One day it has to stop. I cannot imagine they're gonna keep squeezing speed out of it. But uh, Loom, Loom got the uh, oh. Loom should be in JDK nineteen. I think they just announced that oh. yesterday. Or so Sorry, new what? performance again. Hmm? Yeah, I mean, amazing. Yeah, exactly. I cannot wait um, for all this kind of stuff. 
you've so you did a you've you've actually got some experience doing archaeology on different Java versions. A few years ago, you and I were in the Java One keynote uh, when went back when people were meeting each other in person and all that. Um, and you did one of my all-time favorite presentations. You did a demonstration on the keynote where you took where you ran different versions of Java, right? Uh, did you, do I remember you having like Windows 95 running or something just so you could run an old version of Java? Like, what did you do? <laughs> I did, um, yeah, the, the stunt was, we, I think we need, and you can find that thing on the, it's still probably on the Oracle One channel somewhere. Yeah. Uh, where I'm uh, my old me uh, talking to my young me through uh, some chat server that is going into a VM that is running, I think, Windows 95. And I'm <laughs> running an application server of Java 1.1 on, uh, on Jiron, I think. I, I don't remember exactly. Right. On, Win on Windows 95. Uh, I was really afraid that something could go wrong and something actually went wrong. So I ended up debugging <laughs> old Java and Windows 95 to get it to work, but it, it did work. And um, so, yes, yeah, it was like new Java talking to old Java to ask to create an applet to crash new Java for I don't remember what reason. So <laughs> the, uh, there, there was a, a bit of a... Uh, of Matrix or Back to the Future, and I did like the, <laughs> the moment. It was really fun to do, actually. Yeah, and it was it fun worked. to watch. Yeah, it did work. You can you can do amazing things with different Javas. They still talk to each other. Uh, that was was to me it was amazing because it was like a twenty year old version of Java. It was really really old. You know, it, I think you were using Ot, like not even Swing or something. You know, it was just regular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I could have been an AWT. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, and, uh, but yes, it was working. So he, he with an old Windows, but then I, yeah. I didn't need the old Windows, but of course, to be vintage, old Windows was there, although everything was there. And yeah, it, yeah it worked. It worked. That's and that's also 32 bit, right? That's again, <laughs> Java yeah. just, it just works. It doesn't matter. This stuff, architectures and uh, chipsets and uh, operating systems—they come and go, but Java, it's eternal. It keeps go. It keeps working. It's amazing. Um, yeah, I hope and Java, as soon as you're not using any reflection, it's quite compatible. Let's say. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, even there, reflection has existed for a long time. It's just method handles and stuff like that. That's all new, you know. Uh, yeah, but reflection because of. The way the language evolves with lambdas and bridges, and now oh, uh, yeah. we have uh, GPMS, worst thing to break perfection. Um, you, you will the get errors system, yeah. because the old code won't be won't be aware that it should ignore the lambda while doing reflection around the class, or looking for methods in the class, or uh, yes. won't be open because of GPMS, or you have a bridge method that should not be there. So. Um, I'll, I'll, if an old library is using reflection and you migrate it to a new version of Java, it will sadly fail in many cases. Yeah. And, but uh, if you're doing just retail normal code without any reflection, it just works. It just works, yeah, which is amazing. And uh, uh, you know, they don't they don't deprecate things. They're they're deprecating finalizers in theory. Someday, I don't know when, but like that's actually being deprecated. Right, it is uh, deprecated. It might, yeah, 
it might disappear in 19 as well. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's the only thing I can think of that's like a big deal, you know, that might impact somebody from a long time ago when we all thought finalizers worked. Uh, but, you know, probably be just fine. I mean, worst case, it's just a method that exists that doesn't get called. I don't know what, I don't know what the impact will be, but. Um, I, th- I, th- I think it's just that. So it's not that impactful. The, some of the methods that were removed from unsafe are breaking more stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And that's and then they started actually to remove some deprecation, but that's not not really a bad thing. Like removing no. things that are unused or that have been deprecated for like fifteen years, I think you add a lot it, of heads up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Corba Orb, the Orb uh, support there. Yeah. That I think they finally got rid of that. I'm like, oh, like you know, thank goodness. Yeah. Uh, right. They move, and and actually, in some cases they moved it out. Like JavaFX is moving even more quickly now separate from mm. the JDK now that it's out of the JDK. So I think it's actually been a blessing for uh, JavaFX, you know, open JavaFX now. It's actually better off outside of the JDK. So, you know, they're doing a great job. Um, okay, well, I think we, I, I think I, I think you told me you had to go at half after the hour and it's already been uh, uh, a fair bit of time. As we wrap up, first of all, you're awesome. People are gonna wanna talk to you and learn from you. Where do they find you on the internet if you want to be found? Um, these days, I'm still on O'Reilly talking about Java 9 to 17 every two months on O'Reilly Learning. Is it, oh, is that the training? Live training? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, people, you should definitely do this. Oh, I love those. I've done a few of those. I've done lots of those yeah, too, you right? Did, those you are... did a bunch of them, so please. You, yeah. you should, like, if you're bored of listening to Josh, come see mine. If you saw mine, yeah. go listening to Josh. Go listen and, to Henri. Those are great. <laughs> and uh, but, but yeah, I do like doing it. I'm always impressed that some guy in India will listen to me for four hours between two and six p.m. a.m. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, you're you're really really brave people. Um, I did that last time. I did that. I, I started at five a.m. I think just because they opened the shift to help, and I wanted to have listeners in the, from Europe and, uh, and yeah. Asia at the, at the correct time, time to listen to me. And I, I do like doing it and I, the people seem to like it. So you come, can come see me. Um, otherwise, I do have a blog that I maintain a little bit, blog.tombly.pro. Um, not that much, but you'll see with ThinkPass or two uh, once in a while. And on Twitter, Henri underscore Tombly. Okay, so H E N R I underscore T R E M B L A Y. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm all, and if you pass by Montreal, uh, I'm at the Montreal Java User Group often. I'm okay. one of the jug leaders there. So yeah. please come say hello. And if you do want to leave and code in Montreal, I do hire Italy. <laughs> oh, yeah. So what's that about? What's, what company are you at? Can you tell us without getting into trouble? Tell us only what you can tell us. And no more. No, I'm, 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 I'm the uh, head of the Montreal office for TS Imagine, which is a company doing training software. So, and uh, we're in big growth mode right now. So I think I have like 20 Java roles, for example. Open, so. Wait, say, say that again? Which part? I, I, you uh, head of, I, I, I lost, because the so, sound wasn't good. Uh, okay. Head of, uh, head of the TS Imagine office in Montreal. Yep. Uh, which is now like, 
or 50, uh, we're 50, uh, 50 people doing different things. A lot of Java developers, it's a big, 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 big Java shop. And I think I have like 20 roles open right now for different part of trading systems. So if you want to have fun, we are heavily, heavily hiring. So just Wonderful. So come by. That's awesome. Okay. I appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time. I hope we get to meet each other again and maybe I can come to Montreal. Uh, are they doing in-person meetups? Now we do. We've started, wow. yeah, since like maybe March. Uh, February, February. So yeah, they are live now. So you can come by. Great pleasure. Yeah. I might see you for Java 1 because I will try to be there this year. Yeah, that'll be fun. And, uh, and, and yes, I hope... I'll see you soon. Absolutely. It was a great pleasure to be there. An honor, I'm honored to be on that podcast because I, I saw a lot of great other people being there. So I'm, that, I'm now associated to them. <laughs> You're one of the people that are so great. I didn't even, I was like, well, he would never agree. You know, I didn't even think to ask because I'm so like, that's, you know, very, the, 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 the epitome of arrogance on my part. But I really appreciate you. Yeah. You know, I appreciate you really. And you're, uh, it's an honor to be among the Java champions with people like you, you, you inspire people to love Java and find amazing new things to do with it. So thank you for your time and your, and your continued amazing work. Thank you. A beautiful podcast is produced by me, Josh Long. I do these podcasts because I believe that everything we do in software is for and made better by people. I want to hear from you. I'm Josh at joshlong.com by email or at S-T-A-R-B-U-X-M-A-N on Twitter, where, of course, my direct messages are wide open. Do you have guest ideas, topic suggestions, feedback? Don't hesitate to reach out. If you like the show, then please consider rating it on iTunes and leaving a review uh, as it really helps the show. I sampled music from Steve Combs's Them from Morning and Springtime and Steve Combs's Small Victory, both of which are licensed under a Creative Commons license. I'm trying to hire production assistants to make the production of this podcast easier. I want to make sure that we can add things like show notes and transcripts and, and just generally do more. If you would like to advertise on the show, then please reach out to me. Uh, and if you can't uh, or don't want to advertise but would like to otherwise support the show, then please consider supporting me at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Josh Long for as low as $4 a month. Thanks again. No harm came to any seasons in the making of this podcast.